Hi, listeners. Welcome back to Motivate, the Motivation and Inspiration Podcast. I'm your host, Dahi D, and today's guest is Jamel Hill talking about why success is scarier than failure. It's easy to imagine success, but it's hard to make that imaginary scenario feel like it can be reality. And when you imagine failure, it's easy to think that that can be your reality. Focus on swapping these perspectives and focus on eliminating the fear of success. That's the only way you'll be able to achieve your goals. That's it for me today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So let me start off how I would if I were in the company of hundreds of complete strangers. Let me start by telling you my deepest fear. Now, actually, had you asked me this a couple years ago, I'm pretty sure number one on my list would have been spiders. I hate spiders. I'm terrified of spiders. Right behind that probably would have been that somebody in Hollywood may have gotten the bright idea to reboot one of my favorite movie series, The Godfather. Because I don't know if you can tell, but... Hollywood is sort of running out of ideas. And if somebody touches the Godfather, I'm going to have a major issue with that. Um, No, you asked me today what my greatest fear is, and unequivocally, it's success. I'm sure a lot of you probably didn't expect me to say that, to say that my greatest fear is is success, but it's, it's true. And here's why. That's because success, it creates expectations. Success it creates stakes. Uh, Success, it creates accountability. It's so much easier, and we do it a lot, for us to imagine failure. That's easy. Uh, We think about failure all the time. Most of us are really consumed with it. But the success part, we don't imagine and envision that as much. Some of you probably don't believe me. You're looking at me a little weird. I understand. Um, So, in the interest of helping my theory, I'm gonna conduct a little experiment with you right now. I want everybody in here to close their eyes. Even you in the cheap seats, close your eyes, (laughs) okay? I want you to imagine your dream home, whatever that may be. I want you to imagine receiving the top award in your profession. I want you to imagine being on a beach in Cabo, and somebody with wonderful abs bringing you a Corona and Sade playing in the background. Oh, I'm sorry, that was my success, my bad. I was thinking about me. Uh, No, you can open your eyes now. Now, think about it. Did that success that you imagined, did that feel real? Did that feel like something tangible, something you could actually achieve? Or did it just feel like some weird lady at the TED Talk is just having you do something just to humor her and give her a giggle? Uh, My guess is that it probably didn't feel all that real and tangible to you um, because of the way that our mind works and processes when it comes to success and failure. As was mentioned, I have a daily TV show on ESPN2 called His and Hers, uh, weekdays, 12 to 1 on the East Coast, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on the West Coast. (laughs) Oh, you guys thought I was going to leave the stage without giving my own show a plug? You must be kidding me. 
Uh, even though me and my co-host, Michael Smith, it's been our dream, we're really good friends, and it's been our dream to always work together, I can tell you unequivocally that 90% of the time when I think about our show, I think about the failures. I think about what if the ratings tank? What if gets, one of us gets fired? What if something happens? I think about all the worst-case scenarios. Maybe 10% of the time, I might imagine us becoming like Pardon the Interruption, a show we have on ESPN that's one of our most successful shows. Maybe 10%. And I'll even bring it right now to this very moment. When they asked me to give a, a TED Talk, I can't tell you how many times I imagined failing at this. I imagined, I don't know, tripping on the way out here. Uh, I imagined not being able to connect and relate to you guys. I imagined uh, that I wouldn't leave you with something tangible that you can take away that might help you in whatever is your daily pursuit. I imagine all that, and not once did I imagine receiving a standing ovation. And that is not a cheap ploy to get a standing ovation, <laughs> all right? But not one time did I imagine how successful this could be. And so I got to thinking, how do we change that? That's a $64,000 question. How do we change from always envisioning failure to making success feel real? It's actually worth more than sixty-five dollars or $64,000, if you ask me. There's, to me, only two ways that you can change it. Um, or maybe it's more than two, but for now, I'll just say two. I think you have to turn all your negatives into positives. All the reasons you can't have to become the reasons that you will. And I'm a really good example of that. So one of the questions I'm often asked is, how did you become interested in sports journalism? And usually I give them sort of this patented stock answer, and it's the truth, so it's not like I'm making this up. I grew up watching sports as a kid. I was a classic tomboy. I loved playing sports with the guys in my neighborhood. Uh, I just really loved sports. And back in those days, um, and this always freaks out the young folks when I say this, if you wanted to follow your favorite team or follow your favorite player, you actually had to read the newspaper. And even get this, there were times where you would read the newspaper and you, know, you knew a sporting event was coming on and you might not know the result until the next day when you picked up the newspaper. It was a crazy world. It was bananas how that worked. <laughs> so that's how I wound up sort of loving newspapers. But here's two parts of the story that I don't often share. I've shared it a few times, but it's pretty rare. So I became interested in writing uh, because when I was growing up, both of my parents were addicted to drugs. And so I saw them face a lot of very dark demons. I saw a lot of things as a result of their addiction. And the one thing about writing that's really great is that if you don't like the world you're living in, writing allows you to create your own world, to create your own reality. And so I started writing short stories and poems and mini novels, and I kept a journal, and that eventually all translated into me working for my high school newspaper. The other part of the story I don't often share is obviously uh, with growing up in Detroit and us having some economic sort of disadvantages. My mother was on welfare, and so to supplement her welfare income, she would clean houses. And one of her clients was an elderly guy named Mr. Miller. And Mr. Miller read the paper every day. He subscribed to both newspapers in Detroit, the Detroit News and the Detroit Free Press. And so I would have to tag along with her as she cleaned his house. So while she was mopping the floors and sweeping and doing all the other tasks, I was in the family room reading the newspaper. And so that's how I developed my love for newspapers and had access to them. So hearing all that, 
given my background, maybe this popped into your mind or maybe it didn't. How the hell did I go to college? How the hell did I attend Michigan State and graduate from there? And by the way, I'm the, officially the second person from Michigan State on this stage, just to give my alma mater a shout out. So that was pretty interesting. Um, at that time in Detroit, when I was in high school, there was this sort of need and this citywide campaign uh, to make or have more college-bound students uh, from Detroit. And so they started a program that had three stipulations. And if you met these stipulations, then you could, uh, they would pay for your tuition and fees in, in any college in Michigan, or they pay for a portion of them if you left the state. So the three stipulations were this. One, you had to maintain a 3.0 all through high school. Two, you had to have 90% attendance. And three, uh, you had to have at least, or score at least a, a 19 on the ACT. So I enrolled in that program. I met all the stipulations one of the reasons why I went to Michigan State. And the second thing, sort of a bizarre concept that the government seems to have forgotten, but back then, it actually worked pretty well if you were poor and trying to go, into, tried to go to school, tried to go to college. They actually were interested in sending people from, from uh, economically challenged backgrounds to college. So I used to tell my mother, I was like, look, I never thought I'd say this to you, but being poor is the thing. Thank you so much. <laughs> because I got a Pell Grant, I got work study, I got all of that because she had been on welfare for most of uh, my childhood. And all that came to work for me at that moment. So I tell you all that to say, if you think about all the negatives I've just listed for you, drug addicted parents, poverty, inner city, Detroit, if you want to throw that in there, um, and I can joke about Detroit because I'm from Detroit. <laughs> All those negatives, right? They eventually turned out to be huge positives for me. So I uh, would implore you all right now, think about every negative in your life. Think about every reason that you have not to succeed. Think of every barrier that's in your way right at this moment. I guarantee you, everything you thought of, that's going to be the reason you succeed. Thank you.